Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt Lifty Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke, here with my co-host, Perry. And today we have a special guest, Pete Sunderland. What's going on, Pete? What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Is this your first episode of Tuesday Tips, Pete? This is my first Tuesday tip. I will try to provide just the tip and only the tip. Nice. It's not very hard for you. You're mostly tip anyway. It's really unprofessional of you to say. <laughs> your girlfriend's a lucky woman. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. You're up, bud. Oh, man, I'm first in the shoot. All right, here. So I've got, I'm have got i covering the lift portion of Hunt Lift Eat on Tuesday tips. Uh, we're going to talk about spine control on the uh, major lifts, particularly um, squat and deadlift, and how to keep a neutral spine. We all hear, like, keep a flat back. Um, that often translates to people overarching their lumbar spine, their lower back. Um, or, or squeezing their shoulder blades perhaps too far together. Um, you want to maintain a neutral spine, which means that from your neck all the way to your tailbone, your spine is effectively uh, flat, and that's the best position to lift from. Um, ways to do that um, without trying to overarch your back is actually to start with a good core brace, and this, effective, this really comes into play um, if you are lifting with a weight belt on squat or deadlift to actually not let the belt push against you, but to push against the belt with your core, um, in order to maintain that good neutral spine. And the second part of that is that once you have that down is to actually engage your lats and your posterior deltoids and your teres major. So the back parts of your shoulder blades effectively, um, to engage your lats, um, in order to apply external rotation onto the bar on squat or deadlift. And that tightens up your lower back, um, particularly on deadlift and will keep your, it'll keep you safer when you're lifting by actually focusing on your upper back, keeping your upper back tight as opposed to your lower back. Because if you think about it, especially on a deadlift, the weight is suspended from your upper back, not your lower back. So the first thing to go is going to be your shoulders if your upper back rounds, then the rest of it goes. And that's where you start to get that herniated disc on your L5. Does that make sense? So that's my Tuesday tip. No, that's good stuff, man. Um, and just to kind of piggyback off that, like we were talking about bracing. So bracing with the belt, definitely push it up against it. But it's the same thing if you're lifting without a belt, because uh, I like to do a lot of lifts with no belt. And then when I'm going like for really heavy uh, sets, so I'll put the belt on. And so you still want to brace. Uh, and when you're doing that, you're, you're, you're basically forcing your belly out. Like the top part of your belly is going to like really flex forward. And so you're going to look like you have a gut or more of a gut than you might already have. Um, so you're not trying to like suck it in. And that's, I think people everybody wants to look good in the, the gym, like when you're bracing and you're also, you're pulling in that breath and you're holding the breath. Uh, people think that you need to be exhaling as you're moving the weight. And that's actually not true. Like when you're bracing, you're expanding your entire diaphragm and your lungs and you're holding that brace and then you're whatever the force is, if you're pulling or pushing and then you're going to exhale, inhale, and then do the the other set, but or the other rep. A good cue that I've been, uh, my physical therapist cues or uses for me to cue is to think about pushing your stomach down into your pelvic floor not put as much pushing your stomach out, but that's that you're like trying to push everything down into your pelvic floor and then everything 
uh, kind of falls into place after that. Anyway, so that's my Tuesday tip. Keep keep your spine safe. Make sure you can play with your grandkids. And then on your head position, everybody always wants to look up on deadlifts and squats. And that actually pulls you out of a neutral position. Mm-hmm. Your head should be completely in line with your the rest of your spine. Your chin's like parallel to the ground. Your eyes are facing forward. And so when you're, you're bending over to pick up the bar on a deadlift, you're actually looking at the ground um, before you actually pull. Because you're, you're not looking down, but you're, you're hinging at the hips. You're going to look. So don't look straight on. That's going to pull your entire spine out of a neutral position. But that's a great tip, man. That's something that most people don't actually talk about or understand. What do you got for us, Perry? Yeah, my tip this week is going to stick with the um, habitat theme that i kind of been going with the past couple of weeks here. Um, the tip is if you're, regardless of what type of food plot uh, you might be thinking about implementing on your property, whether it's a little a small kind of micro plot, um, we've talked about those in the past, or even if you're going with a big, you know, kind of traditional plot using using uh, heavy heavy equipment. Um, don't be afraid to use a multi-species blend, seed blend of these plots. You know, historically it's always been kind of sexy or uh, vogue to have the nice clover plot. Or you know a big a big field of standing corn or soybeans, um, you know brassicas. This is the time of year where everyone's talking about late season food plots. Um, brassicas are a great option for that. Nothing like a big, nice you know patch of of turnips or um, or forage rape for that for that late season attractant. But a multi species blend will really provide a lot of different options. And the great thing about it is. If um, if you have seasonal weather conditions that aren't conducive for a specific species, let's say you have a drought or a ton of rainfall um, or just something that happened, you know, an early frost or, you know, a late frost in the spring, any, any number of those factors could come in and, and uh, disrupt a food plot planting. You spent all this time um, and effort you know, buying the seed, prepping the soil. If you, if you have all of that equipment, the last thing you want to have happen is something that outside of your control, like weather come in and completely disrupt your plans for your, for your uh, food plot. And so having a blend of species um, can kind of help mitigate some of that risk. The other thing is different species can actually complement each other at different times of the year. If you just have straight clover, well, that's great at certain times of the year, but there's going to be times where that clover is not the preferred food source for that deer. Whereas if you have a plot that has grasses and legumes and, um, you know, brassicas, those different species will have different attractiveness to the deer at different times of the year, and that will complement each other. And so the reality is nature hates a monoculture you never go out into the natural setting and see just one one species of something growing together so you know mimicry um mimicry of a natural system is always going to be uh you know better uh it's going to improve your soil health it's going to make it more attractive to the deer and it's going to minimize the risk of weather conditions um completely disrupting your plans so yeah that's that's my tip for this week I like that, but that's a good one for sure. I think a lot of folks do get 
kind of wrapped up in the traditional uh, mindset of like, I'm just going to plant soybeans or I'm just going to plant corn um, or winter rye or whatever. They don't think about stacking the multi-species there. So that, that definitely makes a ton of sense because it's a great point. Nowhere in nature do you actually see monoculture anywhere. All right, for my tip, uh, since Perry kind of took hunting and Pete had lifting, I'm going to do eating. I'm just going to talk about, I just got done smoking a ton of meat. So I'm going to talk about how I do uh, my wild pig um, on the smoker when I'm doing pulled pork. And so I like to do the big roasts, either the shoulders, the butts, or the necks. I leave a lot of the fat on. Um, and on the fat side, you want to smoke that on uh, the fat side up. So all the, the fat will kind of drip through the meat. Um, but what, to start, I rub it down with whatever rub I'm going to use. Uh, usually it's got some sort of spice because I like a little bit of heat and then maybe a little brown sugar. I'll smoke it at uh, 185 until it hits an internal tip at one, of 165. And so when it hits that internal temp of 165, I'll actually cover it with mustard. Um, and then at that point, I'll put it into a foil tray. Um, I'll put it back in there and I'll increase the temperature of the grill up to or the smoker up to 225 and continue to smoke. From then on, I'm going to spray it with a blend of apple juice and vinegar, uh, apple cider vinegar, excuse me, um, just to keep it moisture pretty much every hour, every two hours. It, you don't have to be religious with it, but it's to keep some moisture in there. Um, at some point within uh, this process, once it starts to, the mustard really starts to cook on there and it, I don't really know the time. I just, it looks right. I pull it off and then I'll go ahead and coat it with the barbecue sauce and then I'll put it back on. You're trying to, your target temperature is a 203 to 205. That's your pulling temp. So that's when all the connective tissue on whatever meat you're cooking has cooked down enough that it's then going to pull apart the way you want it to. I definitely suggest you plan for more time than you think. Every time I've ever done a pork shoulder or butt, it takes probably three or four hours longer than I think it's going to. So uh, I just did one. Uh, yesterday, I actually put it on the night before, and then it's easier to slow down the smoking process than it is to speed it up. So I'd always leave yourself with more time. Um, so putting it on the night before is always nice. But yeah, that's pretty much uh, the process. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, 185 until it hits an internal tip of 165, coat it in mustard, uh, increase the temp to 225, and then spray it with apple juice and uh, apple cider vinegar, slather it with barbecue sauce, pull it off at 203, 205, and pull it and enjoy. Any specific reason for the mustard there? Uh, have you tried other other options, or is that something you just you prefer? I just like the mustard. I think it just it gives it puts a little moisture on it. Um, it cooks in, and I, I just like the mustard flavor. Um, it's a kind of a takeoff of a three two one rib rib recipe, um, and so I just have always used mustard. I've also used mustard as a binding. To, if I put sometimes I'll do the mustard first and then I'll put the rub on with the mustard and it'll help keep the, the rub on there. But I, I always kind of play around with the prep. I do different things. Sometimes I'll, you know, uh, fuck, what's it called when you put it in liquid? I'm brain farting. Brining. brining. Yeah. Sometimes I'll brine it. Um, I haven't brined in a long time. I went through a brining phase. I kind of go through different phases with how I do all this. I just, I like, I enjoy playing it around, but like the, the core tenets of the temperatures is kind of what you're looking for. And so if, as long as you hit those temperature checkpoints, you can play with everything else. Is there a particular type of mustard you like to use over another one? Because obviously there's like everything from Chick-fil-A honey mustard to, you know, Dijon, like not all same, same. So. Spicy brown. Spicy brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what you called you in high school, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was my nickname. Yeah, <laughs> Spicy Brown. <laughs> I'm the whitest guy on the planet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good stuff. Three, uh, hopefully, three solid tips there. Covered the the three three parameters. Yeah, it was a quick one too. But uh, everybody's Instagrams will be in the show notes if you want to find them. But as always, we appreciate the help of you guys. Thank you.